0: Hello guys, it's MMA fighter Chael Sonnen. Check out my podcast, You're Welcome, with Chael Sonnen every Wednesday and Friday right here at Podcast One. We cover the latest in mixed martial arts and everything else going on in the world of sport. Listen free to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen, exclusively available on Apple Podcast at PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and reveal it.
1: Hey, it's Dr. Podcast, everybody. Check out the swing and Sounds. Don't forget to go to Dr. and check out the, uh, well, I'll click through on the Amazon banner and support the people that support us so we can keep the winds and the sail the Corolla pirate ship. Uh, before I go to our calls, which is, we're doing a whole bunch of calls today, is uh, I want to share with you a little uh, interview I did with Kristen Bell. Uh, this is a project that is near and dear to my heart. as She was great, and here is Kristen Bell. Hey, it's my distinct privilege to welcome Kristen Bell, award-winning actress. She's helping uh, honor caregivers and supporters of prostate cancer patients during this month's True Love Stories campaign. You can check it out at pcf dot org slash true. Kristen, thank you so much for doing this, so, and thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So, I'm a prostate cancer patient. I'm doing okay, right? It's a, it's a disease you can live with. It has effective treatments. And you have someone in your family with prostate cancer as well.
2: Yeah, well, uh, my uh, currently my father-in-law is um, dying of prostate cancer because of the fact that he um, saw a lot of the signs over the past 10 years and never got them checked. And we're dealing with a whole bunch of um, emotions as a family about how we feel about the fact that he ignored it and now just being there for him but it's a tough position to be in because there's a stigma about prostate cancer that everyone will get it and you can survive it and um it's really just not that easy
1: it's it's not that easy but about one in nine men will get it if they live long enough they'll get it uh and if you live if you're old if you're like 90 and you get it it's not going to really hurt you but if you're 50 and you get it it, it can definitely do some serious it, it's a deadly disease it is yeah but-
2: and every 20 minutes a man in the u.s dies of it and i and i think it's interesting because it's you know it's similar to breast cancer and that it affects a lot of men versus breast cancer affects a lot of women but the the, this, there's a stigma about men not wanting to really talk about this type of vulnerability and yep. you know I know even with me it's a joke my dad only goes to the doctor every seven years and I, I hope and what I like about the Prostate Cancer Foundation is it's trying to make this information more readily available and get guys to talk about it and get tested because it's the best thing that you can do for your family is just keep up to date on your health because prostate cancer is is a lot worse than you think.
1: Right uh, especially African American men more likely to get it, more likely to die of it. It's a serious thing. I, I, I to be honest, Kristen, I went because my wife sent me to the doctor. I well, it's really bad. I, it's my I have a true story up there, my own word. She saved my life, essentially, not essentially, it literally saved my life. She's in the room here, so I got to watch my how I choose my words. <laughs> so, uh, but Kristen, you mentioned breast cancer. I want to read a little bit of dad here. This is just for the the viewers, just so they understand what really is that issue here. Uh, here it is. So we have, uh, even though more men. Uh, Though men die four and a half years earlier than women and are 60% more likely to die from cancer, breast cancer receives $60 million more than prostate cancer and ovarian cancer, $64 million than testicular cancer. So we got we got to get people involved in Prostate Cancer Foundation. I want them to know about the brand. Everyone knows about all the breast cancer brands. I want them to know about the Prostate Cancer Foundation because I'm telling you as a clinician, as a scientist, they fund some of the most important and... I don't know how to describe it. Creative research that you, in cancer, that there is. And quietly, they've been doing this for years. And I'm yeah. telling you, that it's affected multiple other cancers. Jimmy Jimmy Carter is alive today because of the kinds of research we contributed to. We give people, we give extremely talented researchers money, and then just let them do whatever they want. Nobody else does that. Nobody else does that. So yeah, we well,
2: they fund 500 different scientists at 200 different organizations, and they've brought eight life-saving drugs to the market. And I think it's you know it's important just for this information to be out there, especially yeah. you know as a woman, I I wish that I had had you know, the ability to talk to my uh, father-in-law who's dying right now about this issue 10 years ago and gone, hey, have you gotten checked? And just making light of it and not making it such a heavy thing, but also not rushing it under the rug because there are, you know, all these things the research that's being uh funded it's finding that it's linked so if you have had prostate cancer as a father yep. there's a very good chance that you would have passed on a gene that will be more oh, likely yeah. your daughter will have breast cancer and yep. so we need to know about these hereditary issues and these genetic issues and it just needs to be talked about and i think guys are sort of you know uniquely don't really want to talk about health and vulnerability we're pa- no no
1: no let's be clear we're pathetic we're, we're pathetic no Kristen, we are <laughs> we're pathetic it's, it's true. true and well,
2: yeah, and and I think I I, I think I wish that men realize that the because everyone wants to protect their their family and yeah. you know that's like a, that's like a, a thing in our DNA. The best thing you can do to protect your fa- protect your family is get your health checked yeah. and make sure you're on the up and up. and you, you know the Prostate Cancer Foundation, the uh, one of the. Uh, projects we're working on right now is the true caregiver stories because it's prostate cancer just doesn't affect one person it affects the entire family and currently i'm living it firsthand watching my mother-in-law who was one of my best friends Mm. go through this she's taking care of my father-in-law and it is heartbreaking and sometimes rewarding and exhausting and she needs a support system around her and with the true caregiver stories we're asking people to share their stories and then they will be allowed to be acknowledged because they are real life heroes and the end of the contest i'm going to send them a, a really nice gift basket Ooh, as a little
1: thing well done and uh your husband deck Shepard, and i served our time we did a satellite media tour and uh we spent the we had so much fun i gotta tell you something we, we did the save the mails campaign which i think we got to continue we got to save the mails. save the mails everybody yes, that's yes, the idea they, we, they we need it we, we don't take good care of, we don't do it for ourselves I, i'm i'm a physician i'm a I'm, because i'm a man i'm a terrible patient terrible yeah horrible terrible yeah, it's it's just the way we are. It's in us. We don't yeah. like – no one like asking for directions. We don't like going to the doctor. It's the way it is. It's in us.
2: Exactly. But now we got to start talking about it. we got to remove the taboo. we got to remove the stigma, and we just got to talk about it because we are interested in, in saving lives and having everyone live longer and happier yeah. ones.
1: Okay. So, Kristen, look, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you spending time here. I'm so grateful you're doing the campaign. God bless you for doing that. But I want to also remind people that PCF funds research. Go to PCF.org. They fund some of the most creative And the breakthroughs that – I've been on their board for a while, so I've seen some of the breakthroughs come along here. It is getting more intense, more rapid, more amazing. Be a part of it. PCF.org. Kristen, I thank you. Anything before I let you go?
2: No, I'm just – I'm grateful that you're on the same bandwagon because this message needs to get out.
1: All right. You got it. Kristen Bell, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. And thank you, Kristen. She's great. She's awesome. And uh, you can check out the video at com. But right now, let's get on to our calls. Danny, go ahead, Danny. Twenty eight. Hey,
3: how are you doing, Doctor Drew? I'm
1: good. What's happening? Um,
3: so I've been seeing a girl for about three and a half years, and she has some very serious anxiety problems. Mm. And the medication she has been prescribed to take has made her sex drive very low, sure. and, and and she's not in the mood a lot of times. And when I try to, you know, bring it up or make a little move here or there. A lot of times she doesn't want to, and I just want to know if there's a way I can approach that, but I don't want to make her uncomfortable. I I understand her situation, and I don't want to make her feel like she's forced into any, of course, any kind of thing. Of like course.
1: That. Is she on Zoloft, Paxil, what's she taking?
3: Uh, Paxil.
1: Yeah. And any other medications? Uh,
3: not, I think it's mostly just the Paxil. And birth control, but that's not, you know, related
1: to and not, that. And maybe not even necessary because the, with the Paxil, what is, right. how long has she been on the Paxil for?
3: Oh, geez, probably at least four or five years. So I wonder if it's more.
1: time to come off that medicine. That's I mean, a long time. Is, does she still have any anxiety issues?
3: It's now about maybe once every six months or so. She Her biggest anxiety is about throwing up. Huh. So anytime she's around somebody that is sick mm-hmm. or she, ha- you know, maybe eats at fast food and eats a little too much and then her stomach is upset, then she can kind of work herself into a bit of a panic attack because she's so afraid that she's going to throw up.
1: You know, one of the ways to approach this, I mean, I, I don't like young people on medication indefinitely. It's just me. Now, sometimes it's necessary and I don't want to second guess what her clinical situation is or what her doctor plans mm-hmm. But if I were her, I would go back and talk to her doctor and go, look, is this – how long do I need to stay on this? The thing about Paxil is that you have to come off very slowly. There can be a little withdrawal from it. But what I would recommend is that she try to come off that. She have something available for panic attacks, like for acute attacks, like a Xanax or something like that or Ativan. And that she also have – they're very powerful anti-nausea, anti-vomit medicines now. Something called Zofran. You sort of can't vomit on that stuff. And so I okay. wonder if that combination, you know, if it's only every six months or something, jeez, better she take the Zofran and the, and or the Xanax when she has, you know, something coming on than take a medication every day that's interfering in her relationship, right?
3: Right. And, and the thing, too, is about you, you mentioned bring up take every day is that sometimes if we're, you know, out and about and doing something and we're out somewhere and she forgets to take her Paxil and then that can kind of start to work her up sometimes well it should
1: because you can't the st- routine you can't stop that one suddenly you'll get a bad withdrawal sometimes and it it's it would be very unpleasant so reasonable that somebody probably warned her about that that's probably why she gets all excited about it
3: and and, and you know I, I don't know if this is necessarily your field but <laughs> she her her therapist recently moved a few states away and by recently i mean i, I don't know maybe six months ago and she keeps saying oh i'm going to find someone new find someone new and i'm i'm just trying to push her to to actually have an action on that thought yep, and need someone new to keep to keep talking to her and someone she can and i think it really hurt her cuz she had a strong foundation and had been seeing this therapist yep. for the, years yep. and then all of a sudden this person up and moved away and are they are so I've they been trying to encourage her gently to you know maybe it could help you out to See
1: someone new. I, I I totally agree with that. And she also could Skype or Zoom or something with her old therapist. I don't know if she's still practicing anymore, but that would be a possibility too. But I, you're 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 perfectly in line and reasonable, Danny. This is all reasonable stuff you're thinking. You're not pushing anything. You're not putting yourself ahead of her. You're thinking of her. It's realistic that she should not stay on this stuff forever. You know, she needs to talk to a doctor about. It. Is this a psychiatrist prescribing it, or just a family doctor?
3: I think now it's just like a, a family doctor because she's been on it. So yeah. she's, you I, I know.
1: She may freak out about it or not want to come off it, but if she doesn't, I mean, that's that's fine. But at least, at least visit that with her, visit, and or at least with her doctor. And to me, the idea that, geez, every, I wouldn't want to take that every day if I didn't have to. And if it were just for the every six-month attacks, I'd have something on hand for those attacks. Uh, let's keep going here. Thank you, Danny. Let's go to Bob. Hey, Bob, what's happening?
4: Hey, good evening, Dr. Drew. How are you doing? Good evening, sir. Hey, I love your your deep dives into medical knowledge, and hoping I can pick your brain a little bit
1: here. All right.
4: I'm fifty three years old, and back in May of of 2017, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Hmm. I'd been symptomatic for probably eh, probably about six months before that that I knew of. My sister said she actually saw vestiges uh, of it even prior to that. So, uh, been prescribed levodopa and carbidopa, right. and uh, seemed to seem to respond to that. The biggest. Uh, Biggest complaint really is a resting tremor in my my left arm.
1: Has that is that and, uh, their, is that the primary manifestation of your Parkinson's?
4: Yes, yes. I mean, huh. I, I think I feel some tremors elsewhere, but nothing nothing that really shows. So it's, yeah, it's an uh, let's let's call it.
1: let's talk about for people just to educate people about what this is. I mean, Parkinson's is a degenerating a degeneration of the cells in your brain and the deep motor structure, something called the substantia nigra that essentially is sort of involved in motor coordination. and When those cells degenerate in various ways, this is one prominent feature of Parkinson's, you can get muscular slowing, muscular rigidity, a shuffling gait, your face expression sort of drops a little bit, and a tremor. A tremor is sort of what people think about with Parkinson's disease. And your, your only thing – oops, somebody's calling you. Your, your, no, only, I'm, I'm, okay. your only thing is, is the tremor?
4: That's the only thing that I really feel right now. Um, I've been had to go through some medical testing. I've uh, I got to keep a medical qualification for my job, so I, I went through some neuropsych- psychological testing. I went to an MRI at the request of the uh, neurologist, and uh, the, neuro- the MRI came back. Well, they came came back and they said it was clean. But I understand that actually, what they're doing there is is ruling out other things. Other that, stuff, uh,
1: yes. Right. Yeah,
4: yeah. So they don't well, they I'm, don't necessarily. I'm a little, I'm a little
1: confused why they went to Parkinson's and not a, what's called a familial tremor. Do you know what it was about uh, the tremor? Yeah, go ahead.
4: I'm not sure. I, I saw a psychot- psych- oh, i sorry, a neurologist here in town, and then I uh, went up to Emory and saw uh, a doctor up there as well. Oh. But both of them came back with uh, with park- mild Parkinsonism.
1: Okay, there so. there must have been some other manifestations you had that uh, sort of tipped them off. Is it in your family?
4: Uh, not that I know of. My um, my father's father, my paternal grandfather, did have Alzheimer's, and that's the only uh, uh, the only neurological problem I know of in the family. I'm the oldest child in in my family, so if if it's going to hit the family, I'm going to see it first. But mm-hmm. neither my, neither one of my parents have any problems. All right. Uh, yeah the, the both both doctors did do the gait testing. they're walking up and down the hall yeah. and just kind of watching for pill rolling and stuff the uh, right. the, the standard the standard things right. but pill uh rolling is pill, of,
1: what he means by pill rolling is you like your thumb and uh second and third fingers exactly, rolling exactly. back and forth looks like you're rolling a pill um <laughs> are you better on the uh carpet levodo?
4: It seems to have some effect. Uh, the, the one doctor wanted me to go up to uh, three pills a day. That's three hundred milligrams of levodopa a yeah. day. I seem to have a lot, and I seem to have some uh, get a little bit spacey and, and kind of have trouble concentrating. Yeah, but back off on that. I I kind of take it sort of as needed. I understand the levodopa. I'm not actually treating the disease. I'm treating the symptoms. So
1: right. It's a, the disease is going to uh, kind of do what it does typically. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I have you have you maybe you can educate me on this. The only thing I've seen out there that. Consistently comes up as something that helps with Parkinson's uh, progression and prevention is caffeine, coffee.
4: That's what the, the once uh, neuro psychologist said. He actually said it's caffeina- caffeinated
1: coffee, yeah. not not Coca Cola, oh, no.
4: yeah. not decaffeinated right. coffee. Is caffeinated coffee.
1: So go nuts so on he that. Said, go
4: yeah. Yeah, he, he said. He said three cups a day, and I told him I'd, I'd let him know when I got down to that.
1: So, <laughs> okay, good. All right, all right, fair enough. <laughs> That's fine. I
4: know you. I've heard you talk about patients uh, before, and and, and I know I'm not getting enough to ex- exercise. Um, so I know I I know if I if I got some exercise that would help. Uh, I'm a few pounds overweight, but yeah. if there's anything else you can recommend. Any anything in your in your experience that would that would help? N-
1: not that really that you can do. Although I have patients that you know, kept running and really stayed active, playing the piano, things like that. And my my sense was it really kept it at bay, boy. It it really was rather I mean it it came on and this is one patient I'm thinking about, but but it it kept things I don't know, it 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 was sort of remarkable how how much it did to help prevent that from progressing in sort of an inevitable or inexorable sort of a way. If that makes so, sense, don't don't go quietly into that good night. No, 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 no. And there's tons of treatment, right? I mean, there's even implantable devices now, right? Uh, some, yeah, I think I think those are for
4: for deeper down. Uh, yeah. one
1: of the doctor's office talked to be,
4: talked about that, but I'm I'm mild
1: right now. I'm oh no, really no. It'd be, it'd be way yeah. later if you progress. You may not even progress. You may just be yeah. fine right here. So let's let's. Let's aim for that. Let's let's, let's plan that's for that. That's one. Okay. That's what I'm hoping. All right, Bob.
4: Hey, I do. I I love listening to your podcast, especially the deep dives. I
1: really, Thanks, I man. really do enjoy them. I appreciate you. Take care. Thank you, sir. Alrighty. All righty. I'm pleased to welcome Hydrolyte back to our program. Hydrolite is not only a product that I can safely recommend; it's something that I use all the time. In fact, I have some sitting in front of me right now. It is the best oral rehydration product I have ever tried. I, in fact, in one event, the same thing myself. And they got there first. And I was sick this week, and I'm taking Hydrolyte. It keeps me hydrated as well as anything better, better than any way I can possibly get hydrated. This is it. And at this time of year, it's impossible. Everyone's getting sick, right? They knock you down. It's Staying hydrated is a crucial part of it. So even if you manage to avoid this, obviously, if you get it, it's crucial you take Hydrolyte. But if your schedule's half as busy as mine, then staying hydrated is also important. Getting those eight glasses of water in a day is almost impossible beauty of Hydrolyte is whether you're sick or not, you can benefit from the proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. And Hydrolyte does this better than any sports drink and certainly better than water alone comes in great flavors, orange berry lemonade and is available as a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or my personal preference is the Effervescence Fizzy Tablets. Simply drop in the water. I then dropped it in a bottle of water today and by several of them, in fact, and I've been drinking it all day. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75% less sugar. Come on now. Hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. You can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or online at Amazon.com and for a limited time, my list can save 30% on Hydrolite. Get some now. Just click the banner on my website at drdrew.com and use the code drdrew18, 18, D-R-D-R-E-W-18 18 at checkout. That is drdrew.com. Click on the Hydrolite banner, and then the code is drdrew18. Soothe is an on-demand massage service that lets you experience a relaxing massage in the comfort of your own home, office, or hotel. Wherever you are, they come to you. It's crazy. We've been using them for years. My wife and I book right from your phone or on the web, or the Soothe app connects you with one of their Hand selected, highly skilled massage therapist in a little as an hour. I'm telling you, I looked in these guys quite some time ago. That's why you've been using them. They are a high quality group of therapists. Massage therapist, $25 off your first massage right now if you use the code Drew, DREW. And obviously, it is a stressful time and we all store that in our body. Well, book your sooth massage as early as 8 a.m. or as late as midnight. Choose the type of massage you want, the gender of your therapist. The date and time, in as little as one hour, a vetted Soothe therapist will arrive with everything you need to relax. It includes the massage table, the music, everything, oil. It's all in one stop, and they come to you. Soothe offers four massage types, including Swedish, deep tissue, sports, and even prenatal. They even offer couples massages, so check that out. It's available in over 55 countries across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and even Australia, so you can relax anytime, even when you're traveling. Soothe now has an exclusive offer to our listeners. As I said, $25 off your first massage. If you use the code Drew, D-R-E-W, download Soothe, S-O-O-T-H-E, and enter the code Drew, and you'll get $25 off your first massage. This is a serious deal. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. I promise. Soothe, spa quality, massage anytime, anywhere that's Soothe. Let's see. Ah, prostate. What's up there, uh, Gonzo? Hey, what's up, Dr. Drew? What's happening? Which is this? Um, this isn't Gonzo, Stern Gonzo, is it? Am I allowed to curse? Uh, we, I don't th- know if I'm allowed to say
5: my name. Gonzo <laughs> but, Shitcock. Yeah, no. I, yes, Gonzo Shitcock. How's it going, Dr.
1: Well, Drew? Well, they sounded like you. I'm great. What's happening?
5: Um, I'm doing good. I just wanted to. Uh, I saw I saw a tweet on the Twitter, so I thought I'd call in. Yeah, right on. I had a. <clears throat> Yeah, cool. Congrats on the podcast. How long have you been doing this podcast? I didn't know that you uh, were uh,
1: doing your uh, own. Your Adam own and I, Adam and I do one five days a week, and then I do this one once a week. We've been doing it for a long time. Oh, nice to you.
5: Oh, okay. I listen, Yeah, I listen to the one with you and uh, you and Adam. I didn't know to. So yeah, so I'll subscribe on iTunes. Thank you. But um, yes, but yeah, I've been. Um, I was. Con- I was a little concerned. I Wanted to see what you thought because um, I'm I'm 32 years old and. Um, I know. It's, I, I don't know if that's too young to get a prostate exam, but I've been, like, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, like, the last year or so, and having to go pee pretty bad. So I don't know if
1: that's, like, normal. Or, no, that's not normal. Well, do you drink a bunch of fluids late at night?
5: Uh, Yeah, pretty well. Not No more than, like, I always have. I, well, well,
1: I just
5: always okay. wake up in the morning. I used to always wake up in the morning. Now I wake up, like... Two in the morning almost All right. every day. So so for
1: a, for an otherwise young, healthy person, uh, the, the kinds of things that can do this is you know, you're taking more fluids than you realized. You have some metabolic problem like diabetes that ought to be checked for. You uh, are on medication that's causing you to sort of not empty your bladder normally or you're doing something to make you not empty your bladder normally. Or you might be getting some prostatic enlargement or prostate inflammation or infection. So in, in that case, to rule that out, they will do a prostate exam on you.
5: Oh,
1: Okay. Oh, good time. Well, huh? yeah, I'm
5: not on medication or anything. Okay, don't good. do <clears throat> do you? Do
1: you do anything over the counter? You take you take allergy medicines that that can do this.
5: No, I take a multivi I started a multivitamin like six months ago,
1: and that's it. But-
5: uh yeah pretty much and I'm like if I have a headache I'll take like ibuprofen but I, don't I, take,
1: like, I, any, uh, I suspect yeah. it's probably a little prostatitis and and it would be a good idea to see a urologist and get it checked out they'll they'll do a, it's kind of unpleasant they do like a massage on the uh-huh. prostate and they check the fluid that comes out with the massage the whole thing they have to do but you want a urologist to really do that because it it's a change and you're too young to really be getting what will happen when you're in your fifties and so it, it ought to be checked out mm-hmm. okay. It's not going to okay, be – I can pretty much guarantee you it's not going to be something serious.
5: Okay. They're not going to like shove anything up my ass or are going to –
1: Their finger. Actually. Their finger. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let, I let's. I want to do two minutes on – well, maybe longer on Stern Show if you don't mind for a quick second because strangely they were talking about colonoscopies and prostate exams on the show today. I don't know if you heard that.
5: Oh, really no I'm I'm behind in a couple of days I Well
1: and back. they and Ronnie that's was sure. Ronnie was flipping out <laughs> about having a colonoscopy and he was saying there's <laughs> a well this is actually a pertinent thing because he was saying what what every patient I know says which is I don't have any problems down there. I any problems. I don't have problems. Uh, yes, that's the point. It's you, you if by the time you have any symptoms you're dead. So we have to go up there and look and take out the things that develop into colon cancer before that and the only way to do that is to put you to sleep and put a fiber optic tube up there and look around and then snip out anything that happens to be up there. And so his his denial was rigid and bad, not good at all. Um I get well, I got to listen. I get a colonoscopy. Ronnie's like 69 too. I know. He's got to get he's got to be getting this thing. He's never had one and yet he's had and yet he's had prostate biopsies. You know, which is a much more difficult procedure. As somebody who's also gone through that, that that's that's way worse, and that didn't bother him. So he's got some weird huh. something about seeing his parents when he was a teenager together, or his, his neighbor. His neighbor, or I should say, his neighbor and his dad. His mom was not in there. You know.
5: Yeah, didn't you say? Didn't you say you thought that Ronnie had um, like uh, he thought that. Um like he was – wouldn't you say there was like some trauma or something? Yes, he, yes he was
1: – he saw his dad having an affair. <laughs> That's what he saw. And then his brain flipped that into, oh, there's a threesome going on at my parents' house, my dad and mom with the neighbor. And yet he admits he only saw two sets of feet. There were only two people there. <laughs> uh, it did – and that really freaked him out. And then he did unspeakable huh. things that are a little a little bit beyond the scope of this show. But the other thing is I wanted to ask you, how was your interview with Eric?
5: Uh, with
1: didn't i hypoderic? see it didn't i see a hypocheric interview last night on twitter uh
5: um, was it an old one no i think uh it's probably an old one well like um hypocheric we uh we do a podcast together um on uh every friday i see so it must probably been, probably not that really, was I probably, I I probably
1: how's he doing for yeah, his recovery yeah. from the uh the the oh, he, he, bariatric surgery great is he
5: He's doing great. He lost like 80, if you want, we can we can call him. I don't know if you if you want to talk to him. So, uh, yeah, I think he lost like eighty pounds. He's doing really good. It might so, be interesting.
1: What know. do you think, Gary? You want to talk to Eric? Or is that too too off brand here to go all the way down the stern? No, uh, yeah, rabbit I, don't, hole? I, don't, I don't I
5: don't want to ruin your. shit. <laughs> we can do that
0: if Gonzo wants to hang on hold. and I'll fire him up while you take another call. Okay.
1: Oh well, yeah, I'll be t- t- all right. Hang on, Gonzo. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, this is uh, Alexandra. Alexandria. Hi. Hey. What's up there?
6: Um okay, so a little backstory. um I'm diagnosed anxiety, depression, and anorexia Mm-mm. um been going to therapy I've been in treatment for my eating disorder um point where i I have been seeing a psychiatrist and we tried one s s r i which is prozac and it was five milligrams, and it was working really well except for the side effect of um my libido was like not there.
1: Right, that that does that.
6: And uh, so then we switched it to buspirone, which is just an anti-anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was having really bad stomach cramps, and so he took me off that and pretty much said, "I don't think medication's for you."
1: Okay, that's good.
6: <laughs> and uh, but and so I'm kind of stuck in a place where it's like I'm. In therapy, I'm making this progress, and then I kind of hit a wall. With what? I kind of step with, uh, like, I'm doing really good, and then they have kind of an episode where I'm, uh, I kind of, my baseline drops. So I, I kind of drop into depression. I'm zoned out. I'm, you know, unable to focus on tasks and uh, how really long, defiant.
1: How, how long does that last for?
6: Um, usually a week or two, sometimes it'll go longer if I don't, a lot of times I can catch it and realize like, oh, oh, something's going on. Like I need to, you know, do something and I kind of start to realize it. uh, my fiance is really good with saying like, hey, I think something's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and I can kind of pull myself out of it, but. Why don't you go
1: back, you know, just like any other medical treatment when the doctor tells you something and it's not okay with you in other words I'm still not right I'm still sick I've still got an infection whatever it might be I'm still depressed I still can't sleep you gotta go back to the doctor you gotta go back and go okay. this is not working for me I, I, I know you said medicine's not for, for me but can't we do something and it seems to me there will okay. be something available I mean you've only tried two very mild things and uh, exactly. I, 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 I'm I with him in trying to stay away from medicine because you don't have conditions that really need medicine Although you're telling me you're having symptoms that are affecting your functioning, and that's why you need the medicine. And that's what you gotta tell. Them. Yeah. Okay. You guys so, have trouble functioning.
6: Yeah. So my therapist, um, she actually she doesn't she doesn't even want me on medication. She didn't even want me to go see a psychiatrist. So
1: see, there you go. So that, they, they said, probably like, spoke. They probably spoke, and that's probably why the psychiatrist was uh, being, you know, sort of easy about it. Okay. Right.
6: So, and I don't know, you know, like, should I be going to, like, a specialized kind of therapy?
1: Therapy? Um, yeah, you should be seeing an eating disorder, somebody who does eating disorders, does this therapist?
6: No. Hmm. So, I w- there's only one facility in Sacramento that treats eating disorders. No, it's I don't think really you need, hard to find. I'm
1: not saying you need inpatient treatment. I'm saying your therapist should have experience treating eating disorders. Okay. And I would ask okay. I would ask that of the psychiatrist again. I would say, you know, do you feel that I need any kind of specialized beyond what I'm doing? Should I be considering any other kind of specialized care? Usually, most therapists are pretty well trained in eating disorders, and that takes time, Alexandria. You've got to stick with it for a long time.
6: Okay, so okay. it's kind of just a like a time
1: thing. You're wondering why you're not a lot better?
6: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I'm definitely more aware of what's going on with me and the, kind of the whole reason why I started to get help mm-hmm. uh, was because I saw it was affecting my kid and my fiance and so and I'm just like I've been going to therapy for you know once a week for you know, two years and I'm like okay I'm a little bit better but why am i and then i i kind of fall back and i'm like oh I, I kind of freak out
1: so that's like, pretty that's pretty <laughs> pretty typical no it's pretty typical okay that's pretty typical okay. and and it it takes well more than way more than two years to really get sort of a remission going where you're starting to feel like you, you got this uh and, and there's a lot of other stuff that comes up along the way typically too so there's stuff to be done still that's all it's all right Okay. At, you, might, okay. you might also ask the therapist if, if you should be coming in more frequently than once a week. That's something else. A okay. Sometimes a little more – get a little more intensity to the therapy, a little more – cover a little more ground a little quicker. Okay? Okay. So it's – yeah. so here's okay. your – so write it down. You go back to the psychiatrist. You say, this isn't working for me and it's affecting my functioning, number one, right? Number two, yeah. number two, is my therapist trained to deal with what I've got, in your opinion? You just want that opinion from your psychiatrist, okay. And then you're going to ask your therapist, should I come in more than once a week? Okay. Okay? Um, okay. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, this Can is, I ask you a question? Yeah. Isn't any therapist going to say yes? To more than once a week? Yeah. Not necessarily. If they're getting too dependent or there's reasons to go up and down. And, okay. Yeah. No, anybody it good. Just seems, it just seems in my – I'm looking at it from a business standpoint. From a and, business standpoint, I, I will tell you that the vast majority of people that are good – are too busy. Okay, that makes sense. That's just generally the way it is. Whatever field of medicine or mental health, if you're good, you're too busy. Well, if she goes back and asks if she should come twice a week and the guy goes, absolutely, should she be concerned that he's not good? I mean, she's going to ask the psychiatrist if it's the right person. So we're, we're sort of covering that base there. All right. All right. Mike, what's up?
5: Hey, Drew, thanks for taking the call. You bet. So, uh, I've been wearing the uh, Apple Watch now for about nine months, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wear it most of the day, aside from maybe a half an hour of charging here and there. Mm -hmm. And it's been collecting all this data, you know, my steps, my heart rate, you know, high and low, all this this data, my sleeping pattern. Now, is there a way to take this data and kind of put it in front of me? Is there another uh, program possibly to plug this data in just to sort of
1: see... I'm sure there are people that make all kinds of claims, but I can think of really nothing other than fitness that you can get out of a, a monitoring device. You, you might be able to get blood sugar, and that will be significant when we really have that for diabetics. And there may be other sort of you know, specific metabolic monitors that in obscure conditions that might be sort of beneficial. But I don't, I don't, I don't see the benefit of these things yet. I, I, they give you a lot of fitness data, but fitness is very different than medical wellness, Very different. Well, let me me just show you the difference. But listen, Donald Trump is medically extremely well. He is very well. He is not fit. I am very fit. I am way in much more medical trouble than Donald Trump. I have metabolic syndrome. I have hypertension. I have prostate cancer. He has none of that stuff. He's certainly not fit. I am fit. You see how those things, they affect each other, but they are separate phenomena.
5: Absolutely. And I'm not looking for it to, to diagnose me. Right, right. I know you're looking
1: you for Yeah. an overall view yeah.
5: of, of my, my goings on throughout. throughout
1: I, the I don't know health. what you're going to really learn from it except, uh, you know, heart rate and response to exercise. And, and sleep would be interesting. If you can find a sleep, I'm sure there are some sleep um, protocols out there that you can sort of at least look uh, at what your data against that. I don't know if you can actually download your data and have it analyzed. But I'm sure there's sleep stuff out there. To, but again, all the stuff I've seen on the sleep devices and things, I, I'm unconvinced. So whatever we do collect, I mean, so you get your heart rate. So what? What does that tell you? Nothing except when you're exerting yourself a lot. Blood pressure, yeah, blood, ambulatory blood pressure, good. But if you don't have hypertension, meaningless. Blood sugar, you're not diabetic. Sleep cycling that can be optimized. That's an important thing, but. How do you optimize it other than making sure you're doing, you know, sleep hygiene is good and you're going to bed at the right time and you're not taking things? That, I, I just don't know what we get out of these devices right now. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. And today, over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell. They can protect their homes with this. You know how it works. Security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end there. So now they are extending that same level of security to the rest of your home. With the Ring Floodlight Cam, awesome. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, Floodlight Cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight that connects right to your phone. With HD video and two-way audio that lets you know the moment anyone steps on your property. And then you can see and speak to them, even set off an alarm right from your phone. That's right. With Ring's Floodlight Cam, when things go bump in the night, you will immediately know what it is and where it is and talk to it. Whether you're home or away, the Ring Floodlight Cam lets you keep an eye on your home. Ring Floodlight offers the ultimate in-home security with high-visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security in your hands. And you can save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com, R-A-N-G, ring.com slash Drew. That is ring.com slash Drew to save $150. I don't know how we do this, but go there. Find it at ring.com slash Drew, D-R-E-W. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. A lot of times that is not the case people configure cars online only later to find out they are not available not with true car of course i'm talking about true car you get real pricing on actual inventory this is not pricing offered by true car but pricing from an actual dealer and not just any dealer but a true car certified dealer This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price yeah you know and we talk about all the time using true car you can easily find the car you want Next true car, truecar.com or true car app will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now, you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. Over 3,000 True Car Certified Dealers are available nationwide. You will get to work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer that you may contact with, and True Car users are more likely to enjoy a faster, better buying experience when they contact a True Car Certified Dealer. And on average, you can expect to save over $3,000 off MSRP. Once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. Hook up with that TrueCar certified dealer. Have a better buying experience. car, go to the TrueCar.com or TrueCar app. Do what I'm telling you. I want to tell you guys about the new electric toothbrush called Quip. It packs just the right amount of vibrations into this ultra-slim design, guided pulses to simplify better brushing. It's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. And be honest, you're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes twice a day, but do you actually do that? Whether your answer is yes or no, you need Quip. It's an electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple. It cleans like a premium electric brush, but without the high price. comes with a mount that goes right on your mirror, fits seamlessly into your daily routine, offers an optional subscription plan, including new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month schedule for just $5. That's including shipping worldwide. And just in time for the holidays, Quip is the ideal size and price to gift for anyone on your list. It's featured in just about every gift guide this year. It's backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. Quip starts just at $25. And right now, when you go to getquip, Q-U-I-P, com slash Drew, get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Again, $25 right now at getquip.com. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash drew. Again, it's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash drew. Let's talk to Brett, Brett 28.
7: Hey, Dr. Drew, big fan. Thank you. What's up? Uh, So my original question was going to be, um, you recently had a one-year-old or a baby. He's one now. and. I'm just trying to get back into the routine of routine of working out and I've always been into sports but I feel like I kinda of suffer from body dysmorphia. So I one, how do I deal with that and two, get back into the routine of working out.
1: But tell tell me again what the deal is. You you have a one year old. Right. And you, know, you think you have body into, let, let me go one at a time. You you think you have body dysmorphia and why do you think that?
7: Because uh, I don't think I'm in bad shape, but I always um Say that I look like I'm not healthy, but do you that's feel, not the case.
1: The, the, originally, body dysmorphia was actually, believe it or not, preoccupation with facial characteristics, teeth and uh, nose things oh, like no. that. But, but do you feel fat? Yeah, sometimes. See, I'm wondering if you have more like exercise bulimia, where you're always trying to get more and more out of the exercise. Is it sort of that that zone?
7: Uh I don't know if it would be that because you know I I struggle working out anymore because of the the time with the kid. So
1: okay, so, but but you um, don't it, feel you don't feel image. crazed because you can't work out, right? It's more about your body. Yes. All right. And then what's the question?
7: <clears throat> um. I, I, so do you think that would be something to see a therapist about? Because I don't.
1: Uh, I don't know. there's more time away from the kid. You're 28. Right. How's your life going generally?
7: Oh, good. Uh, um. I have a good job a uh, healthy
1: family you're, you're you're the you are you married yes and your relationship is good yep excellent she's happy the kid is good you like your work yep. you're not depressed I, I, yeah, yeah, everything's
7: I, going good. It's just that it's that one thing. <laughs> I, I,
1: that's just it, to me. It just sounds like an unpleasant symptom that will cause you to do things that are good for you. So I'm not, you know what I mean? Uh, so right. I mean, I, I, it's okay. You'll get back to working out when you will. You know, when you have time, you'll tolerate it. You're at this point, at least, your priorities are in the right place, where you're putting your child against the, uh, you know, up up against these symptoms, and the symptoms are not winning. So at the point at which if they start to erode into your functioning or your ability to stay with your family or things like that then you might want to look into it. But again, there's more time away from the family and you really don't have that much stuff. Every, everyone can work on something. I don't know. I would just say try to try to work on more balance in your life. Just focus on balance. Thanks, Brad. This is uh, Kyle. Hey, Kyle.
0: Hey, Dr. Drew. It's actually Tom. Tom, um, all right. I, uh, yeah. Go um, ahead. Uh, first of all, I met, I met you in Columbus you were coming out of the airport like three, four years ago. It was like Saturday morning, and uh, you are real cool. I mean, you, you know, I was sitting on a bench. I look over, and there you were. You were probably doing a talk or something.
1: Columbus, Ohio?
0: Yeah, yeah. Coming out of the airport in the morning.
1: God, I think, I think that was yourself. like seven or eight years ago. Is that possible? Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: I was going there for a wedding. Anyway, cool. Doc, I'm going to be honest with you. I, uh, I know you, well, you want it straight and to the point, yeah. I. I uh, grew up wrestling, football. Um, I was in the Army, went to ranger training in the Army. I just lived a pretty pretty rough life on my body. Um, about 20, 15, 20 years ago, I realized I had lower back issues. And the doctor in Akron said, um, you know, you've, you've got the spine of an 80-year-old man. It's all degenerative, you know, yada, yada. Recently, it's been getting very bad. Uh, last two, three years, I had an EMG done. He said, when's your surgery? Mm. I, I looked at him and I was like, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, because the MRI, my S1's pinching the nerves, he could very clearly feel it. I know you and Adam talk about, you know, oh, back oh, pain, oh, you know, but it's real, you know? No, sure. And but
1: But the problem is yeah. you don't want to operate for pain. You don't operate for pain. Because it's more okay. like as likely to make it worse as better, and put you on a let whole s- me tell you that what
0: I went through pain management, which is basically they give you a hundred percocets a month and yada that yada.
1: that's disastrous.
0: I know you. I know you. How you feel about that? I got off it six months ago. Um, I tried that cr- uh, kratom. Um, that's just you know, another. That's just patient. another opiate. Right.
1: That's just another right, opiate. Right.
0: Yeah. Got off of that. And uh, I said to my wife one day, I go, God, I feel good. You know, this was maybe a month ago. Okay. Well, about a week ago, Doc, it, I had, a, uh, I had a, a fallback. Like, I like couldn't get out of bed.
1: Right. My daughter and, and here's the deal. Up. And here's the deal. It will get better. It will get better. The last yeah. thing you want to do is have a surgery or more opiates. What about things like uh, the concentrated plasma or of uh, platelets, PRP, something like that?
0: Yeah, and I just heard a podcast. You know, they were talking about the stem cells. Yeah, well, stem cell platelets,
1: It's the same zone, same kind of thing. Do that. Do something like that. How far
0: away are we with that? Like just the regrowth and all that with the stem cells injected in it, there. It's not. It's I, not
1: about regrowth. It's about anti-inflammatory and both the plate, the concentrated platelets or the stem cells. You have to go to someone who does this stuff and and yeah. get get that done. Uh, it, 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 here's the thing about back pain. It's horrible. It comes on. You can't move when it comes on, and it always gets better, and it always comes back. That's the way it goes. It's
0: about a week and a half, and I'm just now. Yeah. And I, I teach. I actually teach docs. I teach uh, Epic, uh, EMR.
1: Oh, fantastic. But
0: um, but yeah. So I'm I'm just now a week and a half later. Uh, you know, comfortable enough to, to, you know.
1: And and, and here's the deal. It will it will come back. I'm
0: telling you, it's real. Of course it
1: is. Of course it is. I'm not saying pain isn't real. I'm saying that there's zero evidence that opiates are a good treatment for this kind of pain. Zero. And surgery makes it worse many times and sends you down a terrible path. If you had motor weakness, if you had motor weakness, I'd go for it. But for pain, I just seen disaster after disaster after disaster. I
0: think though, Doc, and I'll let you go. But okay. I think the next thing for me is I, you know, I'm feeling numbness in my feet, and my, I'm thinking that's the next thing that's going to happen. I'm going to lose my right, my right leg. My, you know,
1: if you develop motor, if your muscles atrophy or you develop motor weakness, then you have to have surgery. Then, then I'm sorry, then that's the way it goes. That's a different okay. situation. But for pain, and by the way. You have an S one problem. That's you're no, not going
0: L S one.
1: You're not going to lose. You're not going to lose much. That's that's in your buttock. That's not going to be yeah, a problem. L5, so L S one. Yeah. So look, here's the deal. Get go talk to somebody about the stem cell and the concentrated plasma. That will help. And and as well, have you had uh, epidurals?
0: Yes, I have. Okay. They did nothing right.
1: for me. All right. So I would look at the the plasma, the uh, platelets, and or the. Um, the stem cell. I, that, that's the next step for this kind of thing, it seems to me. Uh, I'm not sure if they can do it that deep, either. I'm used to doing it in the neck and the shoulder, but I'm assuming they can do it in back. I believe I heard somebody was willing to do that, but I would look into it for sure. Uh, Raphael? What's happening? Is this my Raphael from Texas?
5: Yeah, same guy.
1: What's going on, man? <laughs> What's happening? Uh,
4: not much, man. I had a question. Um, I... For about a year now, uh, it seems like my libido is uh, progressively decreasing, and now it's uh, it's almost not there at all.
1: Aren't you on I, medication for depression?
4: Well, I I was uh, yeah I was on Wellbutrin and Effexor for a while. I I stopped using Effexor about maybe two months ago, mm-hmm. uh, which is badass. I didn't have a lot of withdrawals or anything, right. but it seems like my libido didn't recover from it yeah i
1: don't know if it takes time it, it or, does or it two months is not a long time for that to recover but uh i would talk to the there's sometimes some things they can do to kickstart things so I, I would talk to okay. the, the prescribing doctor about that for sure because there's a l- little what tricks they can do sometimes that will get it going ah nice
4: what kind of doctor should i go
1: psychiatrist to? definitely no no regular doctor won't some the psychiatrists the ones that know these kinds of tricks
4: Okay, and and what what kind of what what is that, what what, what does that
1: method consist of? It depends. Of it? it depends. They 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 got to make sure that your testosterone levels are normal. They sometimes they even think use things like cyproheptadine. There's all kinds of things that they can kind of do to sort of that work to get the libido back going. Sometimes there's a bunch of different little things they can try and, and give him a chance to try it or her a chance to try it and. See so how it goes. And, and by the way, two months, not a long time after being on a fixer to fully you know, get your, your libido back. Uh, let's talk to Rich. Rich, what's going on?
8: Hi, how are we doing? Good. What's up? Oh, um, I was just wondering if I should spend the $5,000 to get an official diagnosis of Marfan syndrome. Because insurance will not cover it. And I've had three different heart specialists uh, kind of steer me that direction.
1: To get tested, I I would ask them if they were to assume you have Marfan's what and not prove it. How would that make a difference? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it sounds like right. they're.
8: Uh, I think it's the treatment
1: and what whether treatment?
8: whether surgery or because the uh, the two that they've given me is the surgery, which I don't know what sort of surgery they would like to do other than
1: well, it's uh, usually yeah, it's usually aortic valve and aorta. Right. So what's happening there? What are they seeing?
8: Uh, they said that I have a, I have an Olympic, I have the heart of an Olympian. It's just in the wrong body.
1: Well, what, mm, it's what, it's a, not,
8: and I don't know what that means from a doctor's perspective. I don't
1: know what that means either, except that your heart's good, which is great. Okay, uh, w- right. What, what is going on in your aorta? Do you know?
8: Uh, it's it thumps really hard, but my resting heart rate sits anywhere from thirty. Not, not your to heart, your,
1: your aorta, the great vessel that comes, the big vessel that comes out of your heart. And Marfan okay, syndrome. Well I, yeah. yeah, people with Marfans get, get aneurysms there. and They get aortic valve problems. Do you have anything like that going on?
8: Uh, I have had a couple spells where
1: no, it's no. just unexplainable. No, no. no. It's, a, it's a picture. They do it, they'll do they do like a CAT scan or an ultrasound of that artery and say, look, it's four centimeters. It's three and a half centimeters. Did they say anything like that?
8: I have not heard anything like that. I've heard there's a leak. But- uh. Okay. Most, what, 80% of people have murmurs, right?
1: Yeah, but murmurs just means something we hear, that murmurs can be caused by thousands of different things. What's the leak? Right. The leak is the causing the murmur. What is the leak in?
8: The leak is in the top portion of my heart.
1: Oh, boy. Um, yeah. You need to get more clarity about what, what you're dealing with here, number one. And number two, ask them, how would treatment be different if I had Marfan's as opposed to if you just assumed I had Marfan's?
8: Uh, nothing, other than surgery or no surgery, and it may or may not fix the problem. But I also have, I've had my left lung operated on twice. I've had two lobe removals. For what? Uh, Collapsed lung. Uh, Ten years ago, I uh, had a heart attack on my way to school where my lung expanded, shifted the heart, and then that's where the whole, this whole spin cycle just started. And then it ended with, well, we can't explain it, we think you have Marfan.
1: Yeah, I need a lot more information to know what happened there. You actually had a heart attack or, or you had something that looked mm-hmm. like a heart attack?
8: No, I had a heart attack well, by the blood. They tested the blood.
1: It's weird that they could say your heart is an Olympic heart if you've had a heart attack. Agreed. Huh. Yeah, I'm, Rich, call me back sometime. We get, if you can get the information, you know, really read, maybe get a medical record. You can read to me what's going on there. and And we don't okay. know we don't know why they removed your lung the lobes of your lung
8: uh there was an infection that just continued to spread
1: and were those infections related to some other surgery no oh this is not making sense what is your you must have a pulmonologist right
8: uh i do i have i haven't been to him specifically in about eight months because he keeps sending me to specialists
1: and what did he say the problem is
8: he said the problem is I'm working myself too hard.
1: Uh, but, but, but I well, don't know
8: how I can keep weight on if I don't work out.
1: And, and I'm six well, foot
8: five, and I weigh about 138 pounds.
1: Yeah, that sounds like Marfan. Marfanoid, we call that. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, again, the, the, the expense for the Marfan's genetics is something that you should talk to the doctor about, what difference it would make. In other words... If I have Marfans, I'm going to get surgery, or are we just going to monitor this thing and knowing that it's Marfans might affect, say, the technical quality of the surgery, the technical elements in the surgery? So
8: okay, well, I've been on uh, Apple Watch for two years and they watch my heart every day.
1: Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. They're watching your heart rate? Yes. All right, that makes some sense. And what is it they're looking for?
8: They're looking for why my headaches are so severe on anything over 120.
1: On your pulse over 120. Yes. Yeah. All right, Rich. Because
8: I get the thing behind my eye.
1: Yeah. And do you have a neurologist evaluating this?
8: I do, yes. Yeah. And what is... And he sends me back to the pulmonologist.
1: And so he doesn't... He needs
8: more information as well.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, it sounds very interesting and it's very complex and that's never good for a patient. You never want to be interesting and complex, interesting to the doctors, but... It's not all kind of hanging together do you have one person looking you know like an internist pulling this all together for you
8: uh, I do yes he's a he's a student at the college in Indianapolis
1: He's a student like he's a resident
8: a resident I apologize yes.
1: all right that you got to lean on that person that guy to pull this together for you okay okay because he's the, Thanks, he, yeah he's the one that sits at the the sort of the the center of the spokes and he can interpret all the stuff he's getting on in the in the chart and help you make this decision and uh i i don't i don't know what you get out of being diagnosed with marfans because you got what you got whether it's marfans or not and you know it might give us some prognostic information about how this is likely to go but i don't see how it really gives anything substantive to the actual problems you're dealing with right now though i must say i'm a little confused about what exactly they are uh let's go to francisco
8: Hey, what's up Doctor Drew? How you been, man? I'm
1: good, man. What's happening with you?
8: Uh not not I'm good, man. You helped me a long time ago and uh I just thought I'd call you. Um I got a thing with the wife and she says uh she's willing to go to the clubs and uh we're thinking about trying to, to do the swinger thing. What do you think of that?
1: I think that's a terrible idea. I I, I mean, you know, do what you want. Uh I just don't see relationships often Surviving long term with that stuff, it just ends up – it's hard enough to have a relationship with one person. If you bring other people into it, it gets infinitely more complex. Feelings emerge that you don't anticipate and it just tends to not go well for the health of the relationship. You can do what you want. Uh, If it works for you, great. But just statistically and certainly my experience has been it ends up in bad trouble. So I just wouldn't necessarily do that. All right, Gary. So, Gonzo did not, Eric did not want to come on. Right. So, up. we just moved on. It yeah. was, you know, we, it was nice to talk to Gonzo. but It was nice to talk to Gonzo. Has he ever called any of these pods before? I don't think so. So, he's actually a very nice guy, though. He, uh, how he puts up with Eric every week. Wow. That's a, that's a challenge. All right, everybody. Thank you for calling. Thank you for being part of the show. Don't forget to check out doctor.com, the YouTube page, the Facebook page, and that uh, opiate uh, saga, which we're rolling out one week at a time. And uh, check it out. And I'll see you next time.
0: For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the Swing and sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com